0: Inside, you'll discover the low-tech system that 30 x my online business. Just go to freetrainingvideo.net to get started. Again, that's freetrainingvideo.net. Hello, and welcome to the Market Your Message show. I'm your host, Jonathan Milligan, an author of the book, Your Message Matters, How to Rise Above the Noise and Get Paid for What You Know. Now, we're currently in a book club series. So we're using my latest book, Your Message Matters, to create a book club, as if we're hanging around the table, you're sitting around with the author, and I'm giving you a little bit of context, a little bit of behind the scenes, some practical applications to really drive home the principles of the book. Now, if you don't have a copy of the book, you can actually get a free copy by going to your yourmessagemattersbook.com. Again, it's your yourmessagemattersbook.com. And you can get it for just paying for shipping, just $4.95 for shipping. We'll send you out a free copy of the book. All right, we're diving into chapter five today called the Messenger Manifesto. I love this chapter. It brings a lot of deep meaning, especially in a time when I was really discouraged early on in my business, trying to figure things out as we all tend to do. And I really needed a simple prayer to remind me of my big why, that I could pray each day. And it became, to me, to be known as the Messenger Manifesto. Now, I honestly created this just for me. It was never meant for public consumption. But it's amazing to me, as the book has gotten out there, how many people have responded on how much they love this prayer or this mantra, something that you would repeat or read over each morning before you get started on your business or whenever you work on your business. So let me give you a little bit of behind the scenes how this came about. I remember a particular day, it was about 10 years ago, that left me restless. I was frustrated. I just spent an entire work week being unproductive, indecisive, and unmotivated. Have you ever been there? I found myself there several times. I was in a rut, and I felt lost in a sea of activities. I was doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and felt like I wasn't getting any traction. Every task that I did seemed futile. And I was on the verge of burnout. I could feel it. And I remember wondering, if I love my work, why does it suddenly feel so difficult? There's a great, great quote from Michael Hyatt's wife, Gail Hyatt, and she has been known to say, quote, people lose their way when they lose their why. Now, that, that's certainly how I felt. I was losing my way because I lost my why. Have you been there? If so, today's episode's for you. And so I remember sitting down and deciding that I was going to write out a simple prayer that became known as the Messenger Manifesto. And here's how it goes. As I begin my day, I will choose to work from a place of mission and not fear, service and not greed, humility and not pride. I choose today to offer hope to the discouraged, purpose to the doubting, and direction to the confused. May this be my vision as I work today to build the business. Now, there's a lot to unpack in those three sentences And, uh, but we're going to do that today. I'm going to unpack these little by little so you can really drive home why this has been such a motivator for me. When I read this, it like gives me confidence. It becomes that hidden superpower that allows me to remind me of my big why. Now, when I wrote that, I was far from being able to live that out every day, but I just kept reading it day after day. And it really allowed me. It didn't mean that fear left, doubt left, but it empowered me that I could truly make something happen with my message, with my business. So let's break these down. The first one, and there's six here, okay? The first one is focus on mission, not fear. And this is the statement that I put on page 70 in the book. Mission produces a singular focus fear produces a scattered mind. In other words, when you know your mission, what it is you're trying to do, and your mission needs to be something other than making money. It really needs to have a deeper meaning about making an impact, helping somebody. When you have that kind of mission, it creates a singular focus. You know what you're trying to do that day. You bring the energy to make that thing happen, right? But when fear rules the day, it produces a scattered mind. And oftentimes when I'm completely scattered, if I take time to follow the smoke back to the fire, I discover that it's really some kind of hidden fear, indecision, lack of confidence that is causing this scattered mind. There's a great story that I talked about in the book that I think is important for us when we talk about this topic of fear. And it comes from a book written by Bronnie Ware. She was a palliative care worker. In other words, she worked with people and their older people in their final stages of life. And it led her to actually create or write the memoir that's become really popular called "The Top Five Regrets of the Dying." And in this book, she here's the top five things that she said that were the most common things she heard from. Older people in their last stages of life. Here they are. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And five, I wish I had let myself be happier. Wow, that's a loaded list, isn't it? Now think about this. How many of those regrets that I just read are connected to some kind of underlying feeling of fear? I would argue that four out of the five are really fear-based. And the reason why I bring this up because you have an opportunity right now to make that change in your life. If you feel like fear has been ruling the day, I want you to make that change. So when you get to the end of your life, you don't have these regrets. The way out is for us to focus on mission and not fear. Fear paralyzes. Mission clarifies. Living on mission leads us toward action. We are no longer passive observers of our lives but we're active participants. When you're living on mission, that's active. When you're living in fear, that's passive. Living in fear and living on mission are polar opposites. That's number one. Number two in this messenger manifesto, I talk about focus on service, not greed. Focus on service, not greed. And a great story that I love is the story of Milton Hershey. So I'm going to read that on page 71, because I think it's such a great story, and it's got an important lesson for us. Milton Hershey. It's impossible to say the name without thinking about the chocolate candy bar. I remember visiting Hershey, Pennsylvania as a 10-year-old boy. The moment my family drove into town, it felt like a true-to-life Willy Wonka experience. The street lights were shaped like large Hershey kisses, the... House at the top of the hill toward the end of town was known as Hershey Mansion. And near the line where people stood to enter the Hershey Museum, there was this eight-foot-tall Hershey's chocolate milk carton. I really wanted to know as a 10-year-old boy if there was chocolate milk inside, because I was going to swim in it. Not only had Milton Hershey discovered the secret recipe for making amazing chocolate, but he had successfully built an entire town from his wealth. In fact, he went so far as to build homes for his employees, and the homes he built were some of the first homes in the United States to be supplied with electricity. By nearly every conceivable measuring stick, Milton Hershey was a success. But have you ever heard of Henry Hershey? While Milton spent hours working upon perfecting milk chocolate, Henry Hershey, who, by the way, was Milton Hershey's dad, he was also an entrepreneur, he took a much different approach to business. Henry had always been on the lookout for the next get-rich-quick scheme. He was an optimist, entrepreneur, and opportunist, all wrapped into one. Unfortunately, while you can certainly admire Henry, for being all of those things, his plans didn't work out so well. Henry spent his entire life moving from one big idea to the next without giving any of them an opportunity to succeed. Whereas Milton spent his life perfecting milk chocolate, Henry dabbled in real estate, oil prospecting, fish farming, along with making cough drops, planting fruit trees, raising cattle, planting berries, and growing roses. And yes, all of that is true. While Milton placed his focus on just one thing, Henry had his hands in many things all at once. And ultimately, Milton found success by focus on serving customers the best chocolate in the world. Henry failed at achieving wealth because he'd been focused on opportunities and not people. It's so important you get this lesson. Be careful that you don't just focus purely on opportunities, but place your focus on people. People over profit. Milton's focus was on service. Henry's on greed. Milton served people by delivering better chocolate. Henry served himself. If there's one lesson we can learn from this story, it's this. If you want to build a business that matters, focus on service, not greed. Serving narrows our energy. Greed spreads our energy thin, right? And I talk about this all the time. I learned this lesson several years ago, but there's a big difference between a simultaneous entrepreneur, simultaneous entrepreneur, and a serial entrepreneur. Most people think they're a serial entrepreneur when they're really acting like a simultaneous entrepreneur. Let me explain. A serial entrepreneur is somebody who owns multiple businesses. But most of these people, and there's rare cases, there's always exceptions to the rule, but most of these people focused on one business at a time. They got one business up and running set some systems and processes in place. In some ways, they either use automation or people, employees to run the business and they manage the business. And then they put their energy in building the next business. I mentioned on a prior podcast that we've got four businesses, but guess what? I had one business for eight years before I decided to get something else off the ground. And even then it was about getting that those systems and processes in place before I moved on to the next one. That's a big difference than being a simultaneous entrepreneur. A simultaneous entrepreneur is what Henry Hershey was trying to do. Dabbling in a little bit of everything and not really having any one thing that creates success. And when you focus on serving a particular customer, which we're going to get into that, stay with us. We're going to unpack how you find that ideal customer. That makes all the difference. All right. Focus on humility, not pride. Our culture has a fascination with superheroes, don't we? We love the Marvel movies. We love all of the superheroes growing up. In fact, uh, who wouldn't want to fly like Superman, swing like Spider-Man, and have superhuman strength like Wonder Woman? But we have an equal fascination with villains, don't we? Good villains have some redeeming, likable qualities. you ever thought about that? They are persuasive, confident, and they stop at nothing to get what they want. When you think about it, they have many of the same qualities as superheroes. They're just misdirected. The distinguishing factor is that one focuses on the humility of serving the greater good, and the other focuses on pride. Just serving themselves, Humility puts the focus on others. Pride puts the spotlight on yourself. Be careful of this. It's easy for us as social media influencers, as experts, as messengers to make the business about us. But the truth is we're not the hero. The people we're serving are the hero. So focus on humility, not pride. Then focus on hope, not discouragement. You don't have to look very far to find discouraged people, right? They're across every industry, every niche, you have discouraged people. There's a great classic movie that I love called Dead Poet Society. Professor John Keating faces a huge undertaking, teaching a group of misfit boys how to appreciate the arts and literature. Most of Professor Keating's students see little value in learning poetry from the dead poets of the past. Most of them see little value in their own future as well. Professor Keating knows he must take drastic actions to help encourage and awaken the hearts of his students. So he begins a series of exercises to get them out of their seats and become active participants. The professor's passion for creative work begins to instill hope in the boys. This is one of his quotes. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. He wanted to inspire them toward an amazing future. And here's the lesson for us. Hope inspires the future. Discouragement just dreads the past. If you want to have influence on others, you must learn how to encourage the heart. You can do that best by showing empathy toward other people's challenges and demonstrating that you care. People don't want you to fix them. They want you to understand them. I want to repeat that again because it's so important. We want to just hurry up and fix people. They want to be understood first. If they feel like you've walked a mile in their shoes, you've built trust with them. Like this guy, this gal, Gets me. They really understand the challenges I'm facing. So I want them to be my guide. This is an important part of the messaging that you're going to learn later on in the book. It begins with the heart. When you encourage another person's heart, you become that person's guide. I had a friend who told me once you get the heart, you can take people anywhere. Not as a deceptive maneuver, but that you genuinely care for people. It's important. It's by encouraging others that we move from discouragement to hope. All right, next one. Got two more left. Number five, focus on purpose, not doubt. One of my favorite movies of all time is Karate Kid. That's just a classic for me. As an 80s child growing up, I would watch it again and again. If you know the story, you got Daniel LaRusso. He was an only son raised by a single mother. They reluctantly, or at least he reluctantly, moved with her from the East Coast to the West Coast. He was running into some trouble with some friends at school that were beating him up. And he met the janitor, or the maintenance man, of the apartments they lived in, Mr. Miyagi. Found out he knew karate. And so he begged him to become his teacher. Finally. Mr. Miyagi agrees, and he starts training Daniel LaRusso, otherwise known as Daniel-son. Instead of learning special karate techniques in the dojo, Daniel finds himself performing chores like painting the fence, waxing the car. It doesn't take long before Daniel believes he's just being taken advantage of. But what he doesn't realize is that Mr. Miyagi is teaching him the fundamentals of karate that he needs to learn. Daniel wants to learn how to do a roundhouse kick. Mr. Miyagi is giving him the core teachings first. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when Mr. Miyagi tells him, first learn stand, then learn fly. What's that mean for us? Purpose, understanding our purpose, where to focus our attention produces confidence. But doubt births inaction. It's an important lesson for us. Some of the people we hope to serve want the results without the work. But like Daniel LaRusso, they want to skip over the fundamentals. Our duty as the guide is to educate them. And by educating them, we help them move from doubt to confidence. We'll talk about that more later on in the book. And then finally, focus on direction, not confusion. Focus on direction, not confusion. I'm full of stories in this chapter, but I think stories are windows that let the light in. And another classic from my childhood was the story of Luke Skywalker, Star Wars. You know what's interesting about that story? In 1975, George Lucas had already written two drafts of Star Wars, yet something was still missing from his story. He didn't quite know what it was. That's when Lucas rediscovered a book that he'd first read in college. And the book is Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces. In the book, Campbell points out that all stories through history are expressions of the same pattern. The story, and by the way, I'm going to ruin movies for you if you're listening to this. The story starts with the main characters called adventure. But before too long, the character meets a mentor the mentor is not the hero of the story. The main character is the hero. The mentor is the one who gives direction and helps the character move and become the hero he was meant to be. Direction calls us to adventure. Confusion leads to delay. That's the lesson here. You see, the hero's journey blueprint that I'm sharing with you led George Lucas to the single story he needed to describe the imaginary universe that was in his head. The hero's journey perfectly described the relationship between Yoda and Luke Skywalker. Yoda's role as the guide is to help Luke Skywalker step into his greatness. That's the difference. We are Yoda. We are not Luke Skywalker in this journey. We're the guide, the mentor, and we're helping the hero, give them a plan and help them overcome their challenges toward success. Direction calls us to adventure. Confusion leads to delay. All right. So back to the messenger manifesto. Let me read it for you again, because it summarizes all the principles that we just unpacked. As I begin my day, I will choose to work from a place of mission and not fear. Service and not greed, humility, and not pride. I choose today to offer hope to the discouraged, purpose to the doubting, and direction to the confused. May this be my vision as I work today to build the business. There you go. Hope you enjoyed this chapter. Hope it was meaningful for you. And by the way, if you want a copy, a printed copy of the messenger manifesto, you can go to your message matters, book.com slash tools with an S tools with an S your message matters, slash tools. And there's some other helpful downloads that are graphics that I have in the book that you can have as downloads there as well. All right, that's it for this particular episode. I hope you're enjoying this book club series. And this actually concludes part one of the book. We're going to dive into part two starting next week about defining your message. So the defining your message, we're really going to start to unpack how do you choose a niche? How do you choose an audience? How do you decide what your message is? And by the end of that next section, you're going to have your entire business summarized in a single powerful sentence. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to do it. And like I said, if you're loving this, take a moment, like, share, subscribe, review our show. And until next time, never forget, your message matters.